This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Prayer. Heavenly Father, we appreciate you. We love you because you are a good God. You love us so much. Lost 63 days waiting upon you. Uh, nothing broken, nothing missing. We are grateful. Take all glory and honor in Jesus' name. Father, as we look into your word of life this morning, Jehovah, please speak to us. Uh, open our eyes of understanding. Uh, let your word, let it find root in our hearts. Let there be a transformation in our lives. In the name of Jesus. That will not just be hearers of your word, but Lord will be doers of the same. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We started a sermon series last Sunday that I simply called Honoring God. And I said last Sunday was introduction. We just laid the background for it. So today we're going to continue. And I want to start by saying today, uh, the, the sermon is on the app. But the app, when you go to the app, uh, you're going to see Salmon Note, but Salmon Note 2 is where you will find this. Uh, I think we have loaded quite a bit of sermons on there, so we had to create another tab uh, to continue loading. So Salmon Note 2 is where you will find uh, today's Salmon Note. So one of the challenges that I believe we have as Christians, as believers living in the 21st century, is many of us are trying very hard, very hard I must say, many of us are trying very hard to please God in the flesh. Uh, we want to withdraw and share determination, I'm going to do this. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 8, I'm reading from the ESV version. It says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It's impossible to please God in the flesh. I need the help of the Holy Spirit to, uh, to, to please God, to walk in his will, to do his will. In John chapter 14, you read from verse 1 through 4, Jesus was telling his disciples, he said, I'm, I'm going home, I'm going back, I, I'm going to the Father. He was telling them, he was leaving them, and they were very sad. And he told them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Amen. You, you will understand if their hearts are troubled because for about three and a half years, Jesus has held their hands. He has shown them the way. He has shown them the path. And the one that they knew very well, the one they were very confident in, is leaving them. And he says, well, even though I'm leaving, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I have asked the Father to send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to comfort you. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to do God's will. John 14, 16, and 17, he said, he said to them, I have asked of the Father to, to send the Holy Spirit to you. Many believers today do not have an awareness and consciousness of the Holy Spirit. You know, I want to take a step. I want to do something. I want to make a decision. How many times do you stop to say, Holy Spirit, what would you have me do? The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is God with us, God in us. 
He is the one that is present with us today. And if you ask him, he will lead you. Now praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Because we don't ask the Holy Spirit is why we have a lot of humanism in the church today. So our decisions are based on our intellect. Uh, the way we, well, that's how I, I think it should be done. Well, what's the Lord saying? I know you have great knowledge, you have great intellect, but what is the Lord saying? So what the Lord is saying is critical for all of us in every area of our lives. My prayer is that from today, you will begin to invite the Holy Spirit into your situation, your family situation, your finances, everything you do. Say, Lord, what should I do? What must I do? Things are not working out. It's before you call that brother or call that sister, before you call the pastor, ask the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. So as we continue today, what I want to do is I want to talk about honoring God in our relationships. I want to talk about honoring God in our relationships. Last week, uh, we, we talked about honor as a verb. And we said as a verb, it means to regard someone or something with great respect, right? That's what, how we defined honor for the benefit of those that were not here last week. And then we asked the question, how do you honor the God that you cannot see? So we, we talked about five things. Uh, we talked about obedience, humility, worship, service, service to humanity, and submission. We're going to take off from there today. We're going to take off from uh, uh, submission and I, I gave us a few synonyms of submission to help our understanding. Uh, one of the things I like for us to think about when we're, when we're talking about scripture, we're reading the Bible, those words you're reading is English language, yeah? Uh, some people have taken the pain to translate the Bible from the original text to English language. And the word is the word. It means what it means. You know, sometimes we just get overly spiritual and we want to read. No, what it says is what it means. Hallelujah. You know, so the, the word submission means to yield. It means to capitulate, right? It, it means to, like, surrender, right? And uh, I, I, I like this, this one, like I said last time, uh, submission is... Uh, to submit requires an act of your will. It requires that I can obey without, I can grumbly obey, right? But when it comes to submission, it's a thing of the heart. It has to do with the state of our hearts. And uh, I said last time, God is, submission is evidently the will of God for our lives. He requires submission from all people. Uh, the, one of the friends of Job said to him in Job chapter 22, verse 21, it says, submit to God and you will have peace. Then things will go well for you. Uh, perhaps the reason things aren't going well for some people is because they have not completely submitted to God. Amen? Perhaps, perhaps, uh, Luke 22, verse 42 Je this is Jesus speaking now. Jesus said, Father, if you are willing, 
Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done and not mine. What is he saying? He's saying, I am submitted. I am surrendered to you, Lord. Submission, again, I, I, I put it many times in my note to kind of help us remember that this is the crux of the matter. Submission is an act of my will. Submission is an act of your will. Amen? The Holy Spirit does not make anybody submissive. If you are praying, say, Holy Spirit, just make me submit. No. <laughs> you will submit by yourself. Because if he makes you submit, it makes you a robot. You are being controlled. You are being manipulated. For you to submit, it is going to be an active, conscious decision by yourself. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to do his will. So praying that the Holy Spirit will make you submissive is the wrong prayer to pray. Uh, amen. Uh, so of your own free will and volition, you are going to surrender. You are going to submit. Uh, this is why many struggle today uh, because they don't want to let go. Amen. Submission, like I said last week, is one of those, one of the most important steps in honoring God. Because if I submit to God, I will, I will obey him. I will humble myself because that's what the scriptures say. Right? Okay. So, uh, as we continue today, uh, what I'd like to say is submission is something that is sub supposed to pervade all of our lives, permeates all, every area of life, we must submit to the will of the Father. I told you last Sunday that many people compartmentalize, uh, compartmentalize their lives. You say, my life in church, my life at work, my life at this, my life at that. I only have one life. I don't have little bits and sections of my life that I put together that makes the whole. Amen. So when it comes to submission, is a complete and total package. Complete and total package. So submission should permit all of our lives as believers. And we submit to, I listed a few things there, and I'm going to just go through them very quickly. Uh, we're going to land where we're going to continue. But I just wanted a few points to juggle our minds and our memory. So to whom do we submit? To what do we submit? Number one, we submit one to another. We submit one to another. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, and further, submit one to another out of what? Say it loud, please. The reason I'm submitting is not because I am inferior. Amen? The reason... I am yielding, the reason I am capitulating is not because I cannot think for myself. The reason I'm yielding is out of reverence for Christ. Because I want to honor God. The will of God, the word of God is important to me. Therefore, I yield. Therefore, I surrender. Therefore, I submit. Number two, I submit to the authority of scriptures. If you have the blank, uh, you have the blank in the app, those are the uh, missing words there. James chapter 1 verse 22, the Bible says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. 
It means if I don't do what the scripture instructs to do, I'm deceiving myself. It's not the title Christian or believer that makes me whatever. What determines who I am is what I do, my response to God. C, I submit to church leaders. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do, this, uh, to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That will not, that will certainly not be for your benefit. Listen to this. There's a book by uh, John Bever uh, on honor. And in that, he said, true honor is an outflow from a heart that fears God. If I fear God, I will honor. Amen. Think about this. When you see an officer of the law, you see a policeman on the street, why do you obey? He has authority. His authority does not derive from his physique. Yeah? You see a policeman st stand in front of an 18-wheeler and commands it to stop. It stops. Why? Because of the authority he carries. His authority is not within himself. Because he's an officer of the state, his authority derives from the state. His authority derives from the chief executive, the, the governor. His authority derives from the, the constitution. The same is true for church leaders. So as your pastor, it's not because I am better than you. Right? It's not because I'm not the oldest in the church. Eh? We have Daddy Rewoli. Daddy, not Mr. We have a Mr. Rewoli, but Daddy Rewoli. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I'm not the oldest. I'm not the wisest. But God has delegated authority. And the associate pastors, the ministers, the heads of departments, Team leaders have also derived their authority accordingly. So if you decide to not submit to your team leader, you, have, you are not submitting to the uh, head of department, and you are not submitting to the minister in charge, and you are not submitting to the uh, uh, church pastor, and you are not submitting to God. Because these are delegated authorities. So he said we must submit to spiritual leaders. And indeed, we submit to civil authority. Listen to this. Romans 13 verse 1. Everyone must submit to the governing authorities. For all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Listen to this. It does not matter your political affiliation. Praise the Lord. It doesn't matter. The Bible says you and I, as children of God, must submit to the governing authority. When they say we may wear masks, what do we do? We wear masks. As long as they are not saying we should sin or deny Christ. We must obey the civil authorities. Amen? 
it is unlike children of God to be part of the resist civil authority. It's unlike the children of God. It says we must submit to the governing authorities. E, children must submit to their parents. I'm, I'm going to move fast now. Children submit to their parents. I put the scripture there, Ephesians 6, 1 to, through 3. F, I'd like to say a few words about F. F, it says submit as uh, slaves must submit to their masters. We don't have slaves these days. At least not, uh, not brazenly. <laughs> they say have slaves in some places. But think about this. When you hear this, when you hear this, the, the, the Bible says in... Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18, for example, it says, You who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. The way we must read this today, very simple, I have a job. I have someone over me. I work at an organization. I work for a company. They pay me a salary for the service that I produce. It's saying I must respect and honor and submit to the authority in that place of employment. How do I do this? There's a scripture I like in the old King James. It talks about poloining. You know, when you read poloining, you almost think it's Greek, but it's English. It's an old, old English word. It means to steal, amen? Many people are stealing from their employment. Are employers. Is that a pastor? I don't steal. Yes, you do. Every time you are on the clock and you are not adding value to that employer, you are doing stuff for yourself, you are stealing from that employer. Praise the Lord. As children of God, it says we must submit to those in authority over us. We must yield. We must not purloin. Titus chapter 2, 9 and 10. Listen to this. It says, slaves must always obey their masters and do their best to please them. They must not talk back or steal, that's polloing, but must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. Then they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive in every way. Imagine if the employer finds you, you are planning your wedding while you are on the clock. You know, what you are doing is connecting, and then they see all the transactions. Who will be happy with that? Does that make sense what I'm saying? We, as children of God, we must respect the authority of our employer. They are paying us to do something. Let's do it. There's time that you sign off and you go home and then you can do your own things. No purloining. Look at your neighbor. Say no purloining. Aha. <laughs> That's a new word for some people today. Purloin. I remember the first time I had this. It was uh, a long time ago. Let's just put it like that. G. Listen to this. Listen to this. G. It says the young must submit to the old. So, you see, when we talk about honoring elders, it's not an African culture. You see, a lot of us, we have mingled 
culture, with scripture, we don't even know where the divide is anymore. The Bible says, watch this, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, in the same way, you who are younger must accept, the King James says, submit, accept the authority of the elders. And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate one with another. For God opposes the proud but gives uh, uh, grace to the humble. The scripture is saying the young must show respect for the elderly. We must respect those that are older than us, not just our parents. Leviticus 19 verse 32, I love this. Watch this. Leviticus 19.32, it says, stand up in the presence of the elderly. Courtesy. Show courtesy. It's not a strange African culture. It's, ah, I, I, I'm in America now, all those uh, African, it's not African nothing. It's scripture. It says, stand up in the presence of the elderly and show respect for the aged. Fear God. Fear your God, I am the Lord. This is an instruction from God to us. So be encouraged if you are showing respect to the elder, uh, to the elders, that you are not just doing an African thing, you are doing a godly thing. Somebody say it is godly. All right. Let's jump to H. H is where I really want to dwell today, but we have taken a lot of time getting there. It says, wives must submit to their husbands. This is uh, something that uh, in church, every time you preach this, the women are upset. And the men are armed. They go home and say, did you not hear the pastor today? I'm not giving you ammunition. Remember, and we're going to get to it, there's a reciprocity when it comes to submission. A lot of times we forget that the scripture, when the scripture was written, especially the epistles, when the epistles were written, they were not written in books, chapters, and verses. So when we begin to read, for example, Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll read verse 22, as we should, it says, wives... This means submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. That is true, but it didn't start there. You are reading the story from mid, it's like you're reading mid-sentence. Because when it started, it started by saying, we must respect, we must uh, submit one to another in verse 21. That's how it started. Listen to me. There are many, many challenges in marriage relationships today. A lot of times we like to blame the devil. Yes, the devil is responsible for some of it. But a lot of it we are responsible for ourselves. You and I are responsible for the life we live. Praise the Lord. <laughs> My life or the outcome of my life, is not a consequence of somebody else's action. My choices determine the direction of my life. One of the choices I must make is whether or not to obey God. 
Will I obey God? So today we're going to talk about wives submit to your own husbands. But that's not the end of the story. Matter of fact, it's not even the beginning of the story. Amen? In the Holman's uh, Illustrated Dictionary of the Bible, Stinson said, In divinely ordained relationships, submission enables a unique Christian harmony based on God's good design. It means when husband and wife submit one to another, there's a unique harmony that is built in that relationship. But specifically, because God knows you and I, God knows what we must do. God knows that each person needs to take responsibility for themselves. The scripture begins here by saying, wives. This means you must submit to your own husbands. You have your ideas. You have your intellect. You are, you are a very smart person. In fact, you are an executive at work. They pay you top dollar to do what you do. But the scripture is saying when it comes to you and your husband, you must capitulate. Does that mean you don't speak? No, you speak. But when there's, should we go this way or go that way? You have made your voice heard. Yield and let your husband make the decision. Praise the Lord. We've given this example. I'm sure you've had it many times. You know, on the airplane, you have the captain and then you have the first something they call them. Co-pilot, but first officer or something. Co-pilot. The pilot is the one making the decisions flying the plane. And he's telling the co-pilot uh, something, something, check, something, check. If you don't have someone in charge, you're going to have chaos. Listen, I've said this a million times. Anything, I don't care what it is, anything that has two heads is a monster. You think it's funny? If you see an ant with two heads, you begin to speak in tongues. Anything with two heads is a monster. That includes marriage. Any marriage where you have two heads, you don't have a clear leader, you're going to have a monstrous marriage relationship. Amen? God, in his infinite wisdom, said the man will be the head. That is what God said. Yield to that. But let your husband know how you feel, what you think, and let him make the decision. You know he's not perfect. Yes? yes uh, you, are you married to a perfect husband? <laughs> I, I know I'm not perfect, so, <laughs> so let's start from there. So he's going to make mistakes. And when he makes mistakes, uh, to walk that back is always very difficult. They said, well, yeah, 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 I knew it wouldn't work. No, you didn't know. You thought it would work. <laughs> you know, so when he's trying to come back, help him, collaborate with him. Say, ah, sorry, honey. I said it didn't work. But you tried. You tried. You tried. Guess what? The next, the thing you said before that he rejected is what you are now doing and it's not working. Don't rub it in. 
There's no yielding in that. There's no yielding. Uh, did I not tell you? I told you it wouldn't work. You know, what I told you before is what you are now doing. No, 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 no. That, that's, that's not Christ-like. That's not Christ-like. Let him fail. Let him fail. He will learn from his own failure that maybe next time I should listen a little bit more. There's a reason why I have one mouth and two ears. So I can listen more than I speak. Right? It says, verse 23, For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to your husband in everything. Friends, if we choose to honor God and obey him, leave the consequence to him, God will sort you out. God will sort you out. It's because we have always tried to do it ourselves, that is why we never get the benefit of the instructions. So when God says, submit to him in everything, you say, ah, pastor doesn't know my husband. I'm not, I'm not the one speaking. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Say, my husband is this, God knew him. And you probably knew him before you said yes. So don't put it on me. Because you married him. Yeah? Watch this. Watch this. God says the man is the head. This is according to God. Can the, can the head just float around? If you cut off the head, the head is dead. So it doesn't make me irrelevant because somebody is my head. I am still the lifeline that is supporting the head, ensuring the head is in place. I put a, a few things here. I'm just going to run through it very quickly and we'll, clo uh, we'll close. Marriage is tough for many reasons. Many people don't give thought to these things. Marriage is tough. Ask anyone that is married. I was telling a couple the other day that every marriage has its own trouble. Am I correct, sir? It doesn't matter how long you have been married. Every marriage has its own challenges. I said every marriage that you see the couple, they come out looking good, looking very happy. It just shows that they have learned how to handle their issues. That's all it means. It doesn't mean they don't have issues. Every marriage has issues. My marriage has issues. You think I'm everything my wife wants me to be? Or you think she's everything I want her to be? Keep on living. <laughs> marriage is tough. I think if you understand that, getting into it, when you see toughness, you won't say, maybe I married the wrong person. No, marriage is tough. Marriage is tough. And I said for a number of reasons, A, there is no school to attend and get educated before you get married. You know? No school. <laughs> you learn as you go. Yes, we have pre-marital classes that they do. They do it and then what? Yeah, Pastor Bodia and his wife, is, they are the ones handling the pre-marital classes. Two, two hours? 
is it? Or one hour? Two hours. Two hours every Monday for eight, 10, 12 weeks. Compare that to 50 years of marriage. You will learn as you go with the help of the Holy Spirit. Number two, in marriage, two histories are colliding. When you come into marriage, both couple, they are coming with their good and their baggage. We forget the baggage. Because at the point of marriage, what you are thinking is, oh, he's so cute. You know, he's always showering me with compliments. You know, buys me gifts. He loves me. He does. And that's the only part you get to know. Until you are stuck with him 24-7. Then you see the rest of the story. Was he hiding? No, he's not hiding. Because we all put our best foot forward. If you are, you are cutting a lady, are you going to go there and then be showing? No. You wear your best clothes. You wear your nice cologne. You show up good. Am I correct? The way I look at him, I know he... <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Everybody puts their best foot forward. In fact, if the man is already looking like his story has K-leg, and you say yes, there's something wrong with that person themselves. So everybody puts their best foot forward. But after you marry and you join those two worlds together, then there's eruption. All kinds of things begin to happen. This is why we need God. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. Some people said love is blind, but marriage is the cure. The eyes will just pop open. Pam! <laughs> and see, uh, 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 there's no finishing this. Uh, see, watch this. When you go into marriage, two genders coming together. Two genders coming together, that in itself is problematic. Because women are different from men. The way women think, the way women see things, is different from the way men see them. You know, I said women and men are vastly different in so many ways and at many levels. Number one is communication. A woman always wants to talk about it. Say, honey, let's sit down and talk. The man only has three sentences to say. He said, that's everything. My wife will always ask, so what happened? Two, three sentences I give out the summary of everything that happened. So, is there should be, there's more, but that's all there is, there is to say. But if it was my wife telling me, you turn the table around, she would tell me how they got there, in fact, how they showed up, the way they sat down, the look on their face, the body language, you know, but men don't do that. Not because they don't, they just want to be whatever, but it's just the constitution, our makeup, right? The love language is different. The love language is different. Man, a man's love language is not the same with a woman's love language. Try buying your husband flowers. <laughs> Just tell him, oh, honey, it's your birthday. It's a bouquet of flowers. <laughs> Our response, reaction to situations are different. Emotionally, we're different. Just our basic humanness is different. 
But the Bible says, in God's wisdom, Genesis chapter 2, 24, it says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. The context of that is Adam and Eve. You know, so we are not wondering who the wife, I'll say the wife could be anything. No, the wife was a woman. All right? He said, and the two will cleave together and become one flesh. One flesh. That's the design of God. God says that man and the woman will come together. That variety is the spice of life. That is what spunks things up. I cannot imagine myself marrying somebody like myself. I wouldn't like it. And do you, do you know that somehow we are also attracted to people that have the opposite of our temperament? You know, you see my wife and I, <laughs> it's, it's night and it's day. In fact, the way I like to say it is, she's happy for the family. She tells me I don't even know how to be happy. He said, people don't see you, but I see you that you are telling yourself, I'm supposed to laugh now, so you laugh. <laughs> he said, they don't know you, but I, I know you. I, I know. So don't make your difference an issue. The difference is by God. Trying to make your husband like yourself is an exercise in futility. He's a man. He's not a woman. To say he must think and act like a woman is an exercise in futility. And the converse is true. So, by the help of the Holy Spirit, we must find a middle ground. A comfortable place where we can meet each other. So maybe instead of a three-sentence summary, you increase to seven. Is that I'm better? You know, before I would just say, we went there, we talked, and everybody went their way. That's how I used to finish the story. But now I told you on the way as I was driving, I bought McDonald's. I told you a little, a little embellishment. You know, so we both must be willing to change, is what I'm saying. Anyone going into marriage... Thank you very much. It's the ones that are not married that are clapping. <laughs> I, guess, I guess the ones that are married are saying, this is, this is true, but it's too hard. <laughs> so it's a good lesson. It's a good lesson. Praise the Lord. I must be willing to change. I must be willing to shift. I must be willing to move. Both people. So you can't say, oh, I am the head. You just do what I say. Yes, you can try it, and it may work. But after a while, you begin to see the repercussion. You say, I don't know what happened to her. It happened a long time ago when you have been doing what you've been doing, and she's been saying, probably not. Let's rise to our feet in prayer. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come this message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message.